You're riding on the Denial Bus with Patty Crouch and Holly Gates. Sorry, we just watched Princess Bride. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. But also, that's what we're talking about today. Marriage. Someone once told me that marriage shouldn't be hard, but you should work hard at it. Oh, I like that. Which is, I find true. Like, I love being married to Chris. Like, it's not hard to love Chris. Like, I want to be with him. I choose to be with him. Usually, he's the first person I want to share excitements with and the person. I, I mean, I can't imagine going through this life without him. You know, like, even though it's hard with IEPs and special needs kids and, you know, us being people and human, I I can't imagine doing it with anyone else. So I think in that sense, it's easy. But it's like you have to work hard at it. Yeah. You have to work hard at it if you want it to be a good marriage and go well. Exactly. So then my dad called me and saying about how, like everyone has expectations of what a marriage should be. And like there's this marriage box and when you open it, it's empty, but we have expectations of what it should be. But in reality, it's like people like, Oh, marriage is, is love. It's filled with love. It's like, well, people are filled with love and you put that love into the marriage and it's filled, you know, and marriage is about commitment. And it's like, well, no people are the ones making the commitment and you put that commitment into the marriage. So in reality, it's like who you are is what you're putting in to the marriage which was interesting too to me because I was like, I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was still like processing through that one because it's like an interesting concept. And he was like, isn't that deep? And I'm like, yeah. And I, I don't have the bandwidth to like <laughs> deconstruct. That. I don't want to do work right now. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. Derek actually this afternoon sent me a link to something he wanted us to watch together. That was, oh, I forget what it was called. It was like, uh, romance will not save your marriage because romance is a byproduct of a good marriage, but it's not like just being constantly romantic is going to save it. Yeah. Yeah. Which people think like, oh, it has to have romance or romance is a sign of a really good marriage or, but. It's what it's people like fall. I think that's why people marry someone because there's that romance there, but it has to be more than just. Like the Hollywood looking. The thing. Hollywood yeah. looking romance and love. So I was listening to um, Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert or whatever, and he had Esther Perel. I think it's Perel, Perel. I don't know. I guess it's either the Harry Potter person or it's the hand sanitizer. <laughs> One of the two. But she is a marriage and sex therapist, right? And she was talking about how marriages evolve and how lots of people, like, in, in that like abstract kind of way get married three or four times in their life but in but it's up to them to decide to marry the their same husband again is that me let me explain it further lots of people end up like you end up having kids and then they you know like the kids go off to college and it's like we don't even know each other anymore so then you get divorced and then you find someone who knows you at that stage so then you have another marriage but what she said is like I've married my husband three or four times because who we were when we first got married is different than when we had little kids, which was different than when we had older kids, yeah. which was different than, you know, us now trying to, you know, more in our retirement ending. And he was like, I've evolved as a person. He's evolved as a person. So our marriage naturally evolved. And we had a 
almost look at it as a new marriage and not look at it as what it once was because that marriage doesn't exist anymore because it's two different people. Yeah, and you have to keep choosing the same person in the different right. parts of your life. I went home and told Chris this and I was like, so we need to stop because we were mourning a whole lot like what our marriage was before kids because it was easy. Mm. Like <laughs> so much easy to find yeah. time for your husband when they're the only person that you have to serve. <laughs> like, But even people without kids, your marriage would change after 10, 15 years. It's not the same as it was the first year. Especially if you're growing as a person, yeah. which I hope everyone is, yeah. you know, like it, it would have to change. Right. So then you're choosing like a new marriage. And so that's why he, she was like, that's why she thinks that there's lots of divorce rates and like lots of reason why people get married two or three times sometimes or whatnot is because instead of remarrying the same person, they just choose to marry somebody else. And I was yeah. like, that's so sad. She also made this comment that I thought was really brilliant. She was like, if people put as much creative energy into their affairs as they did into their marriage, their marriage probably would have worked. Wow. <laughs> I was like... It's true because you know you're like it's you're all excited about the new yeah crazy love part of it like we were talking yeah. about and the sneaking around and all like all that energy and effort if you would just be like let's go on a weekend <laughs> like spend <laughs> that creative energy with your already spouse like that marriage would have worked it was very intriguing some things I didn't agree with but most of it I was like oh that's a really good like it, it sparked some really good conversation with Chris and I so. Yeah, I talked to a friend years ago who was actually thinking about leaving her husband and we were talking through it. And I was like, okay, look, the reasons that you're upset with him, first of all, seem to be global guy things that like I'm hearing all of us complaining about. <laughs> like, like it's going to be the same with another guy. Yes, another guy. Different penis, you know, you know. You know this guy's issues and you know they're not that bad. Like a new guy at first, it's going to seem great. And then he could have worse issues that we don't know about. Like, oh, I love the way you go there sometimes. You're yeah. like, are you sure? Yeah. So what did it end up happening? Like, did like y'all talked it through? Uh, they stayed together and had another kid. That's another thing I think is weird, too, that people try to save their marriage by having a kid. And I'm like, well, oh. Well, it, it wasn't a, to save it. I feel like I've known people who've done that and it's always backfired. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, no, having a kid is not a reason. (laughs) Well, you hear about that too. Well, I got pregnant, so I would keep him or like, you know, I'm like, red flag, red flag, red flag. If you're already having trouble before the kid's here. (laughs) Yeah. You probably, yeah, no, not at all. But having a special needs kid, I feel like, or higher needs kids. Yeah. That explains that's, that's it. That's all I can say. The podcast is over. <laughs> We're done. I have no words. It's like hard. And you hear like it's like 83% of marriages with special needs kids end in divorce. That is the statistic. But when I was looking things up because I wanted to be prepared <laughs> talking about this, it sounds like that's a lie. That's is it higher? <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently that's an urban legend, like the 80%. And I think we all got it from the show Parenthood. It was there before parenthood. Was I it? think it really comes down to with I think eighty three percent of statistics all statistics are made up. Okay. Yeah. And it's always like an eighty number because scientifically proven psychology wise, we yeah. like the number eight. Oh, interesting. So I think we just make up numbers and be like eighty three percent, eighty seven percent. And so that probably with the myth. And then it was probably solidified with shows like Parenthood. Yeah. Well, it gave me like hope. 
not well. It gave you not, hope. It it, <laughs> it it made everybody else really sad, but it gave you hope. It gave me hope because I was like seventeen percent. That's me. <laughs> I kind of was like, th- divorce isn't an option for Chris and I. So yeah. in my head, I was like, I'm gonna make it. Like you mm. suckers. Although we did talk about divorce twice, so <laughs> it, it isn't an option, but You have at the talked same time. several times about living in a different house than your husband and trying to raise kids that way. But that's not divorce. <laughs> that's not divorce. See, Chris and I don't want to get divorced, but we also don't, all five of us want to live in the same house. <laughs> and that's where the conundrum happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, how can I be a spouse and be married to my husband, but us not be a family unit? Because as a family unit, we suck. Like when if it comes only to we could too. pick like two kids, three kids, and have them move into a different house. Well, I had a, I had a little chart. I was seriously about <laughs> thinking about this. And I went to you and Kendra, and I also went to two of my other friends. And I remember, think both of y'all separate groups were like politely listening to me, like, go ahead, get this out of your system. And then was like, Patty, this doesn't work. Like, <laughs> Stop. Yeah, the friend I was talking about earlier. Yeah, that was you. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all. No. So when I was doing the research about the 80% myth, I came across an article. It's in the Washington Post. Okay. That's Jane pretty Williams. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it could be. She says, well, she says that statistic is an urban legend. She could find nothing that had any sort of statistics. But she says, that's not to say couples with a child with a disability don't face extra challenges, pressures, and stress. They do. Um, All marriages have ups and downs. Tossing in kids can intensify whatever strengths or weaknesses are already there. Add a kid with a disability, and well, the stress is amplified. Even though they love their kid like crazy, the worrying and advocating and fighting with insurance companies or schools can wear parents down over time and make them more snappish with one another. I was like, amen. Yes. That's exactly it, though. That's why I always feel like, I feel like Chris got the crap of me. Like, the kids require so much that he got the crap of me. Like, he doesn't get my best. He gets what's left over. And for months on end, sometimes there's nothing left over. For months on end, sometimes there's nothing left over. Like. I'm done, you know? And so then he gets nothing and then it doesn't help. So if another friend of mine went to a therapist and she shared this with us that like, you know, it's like the um, burner analogy of like cooking. Mm-hmm. And she was like, when you cook, you have to like stir the pot, you know, and you, you're, you have the burner on and you're taking, you're watching it and taking care of whatever it is. Right. And she is a majority of the time your kids are in the burners And you end up taking your marriage off, like, the burner and putting it in the back, right? In the back burner, right? It gets put in the back burner. So I was thinking, like, my marriage isn't even on, like, was for a long time. It's not even on the stove at all? No. (laughs) And it's, like, congelled, you know? (laughs) Like, it's, like, it's a stuck, you know? But you have to put it on the burner and then, like, stir it every couple of times, whatnot. So I think Chris and I have gotten better. Like there was definitely some dark moments when Jackson came into the picture where that first year where I was getting like no sleep whatsoever because yeah. he was required the first three months he gets every hour and then he went to, you know, two hours and then three hours. So for a good solid 
nine months to a year, I was working off of two or three hours of sleep and uninterrupted, oh right? Not healthy, not, I no, think. No, that's how they torture people. They make <laughs> them stay awake. That's <laughs> exactly what Jackson was doing. And not to mention that you're also not getting an evening with your husband. Because we did that with Dawson too, where he's up till 9, 30, 10 every night. That's my bedtime. So, yeah. we, you know, you don't have any time alone with your spouse. Completely. It was. And then our, if they do fall asleep a little early, you're so tired. You're like, don't even touch me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and watch TV and fall asleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. Like that was a, probably the rockiest that our marriage has ever been was that first year with mm-hmm. Jackson because the girl's trauma also all came up. And so we were yeah. dealing with tantrums and all this stuff and trying to figure them out with like little sleep and then Jackson and then realizing he had FASD and like it was just like rough, like really rough. And I, I don't think the divorce word ever really came into the picture. It's just a lot of resentment started to be created on both of us, like me for him for me saying yes to Jackson because he didn't necessarily feel heard in that mm-hmm. whole idea. And I think I talked about that before already. And then me just being upset that he, <laughs> with the whole thing. Um, and then being just grumpy and tired and like, you know, yeah. so that was the hard part. And then it would happen again recently where, you know, the whole <laughs> separate apartment thing came up. <laughs> but I think that what it was, was that we weren't, we didn't like the way each other parented, even though we were on the same page. And because we weren't connected, we couldn't really empathize with what the other person was going through because we were only kind of seeing our perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, I mean, when when you're going through something hard and you're feeling sorry for yourself, you don't want to look at somebody. You're thinking, no, this is all about me. I mean, not. Yeah. You know, and it's hard for me, and you should be, you know, and you're not thinking about what the other person is going through. Because what you're going through feels so hard. And it was just as hard on them. They're the other parent in the whole entire mix. It was rough. What changed for me was that I started choosing him again. Like I started realizing that I was putting comedy and some other things in front of him because I was wanted my identity, which was important. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like he once again was kind of in the back burner again. And then once I started choosing him, which is the reason why this podcast doesn't come out every single Monday, (laughs) the reason why the quickies don't happen anymore is because when Chris comes home, I stop everything that I'm doing so that I can be with him at night. Because if not, we don't see each other for weeks and then we're not connected. And then I get annoyed that he got frustrated with the kids. But if we're connected, then we're talking. And then if he gets frustrated with the kids, I can empathize with him and be like, I I understand. Let me help you. Let me be with you. Let me tap you out. Let's, you know, like let's switch or whatever. So it's a lot easier to be able to understand him, his perspective or whatnot. Don't get me wrong. He still annoys the hell out of me some days, but (laughs) anyways, that's what's changed recently at least. I think even in the, like the best case scenarios with uh, parenting a child with special needs, you end up becoming parent partners, which is another thing this article said. It's like, you are just all you do and all you talk about is through your child. And so even though you're both like doing the same and you're on the same page and uh, that's kind of how I felt with Derek because 
we'll go weeks where I'm like, wait, we haven't actually been together as a family because I'm so exhausted with the kids all day. The minute he comes downstairs or has a minute off and sits in front of the TV, I'm like, oh, you're downstairs? Great. I'm going to go upstairs. <laughs> like, I'm going to go run some errands. Now you go. So we just, we're like, tag, you're it, tag, you're it, tag, you're it. But we're never both with the kids at the same time. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. You like shifts in the middle of the night. And Chris yeah. works night. So yeah. I like, I, by the time he comes home, I'm like, eh, I'm a zombie already. Oh, yeah. So I actually started drinking caffeine a little bit later in the night so I can stay up a little bit later for him. See what I do for you, Chris? <laughs> um, yeah, because you become partners. And then all you do is you're advocating for this child who needs so much. And this sounds great. You're a partner with your spouse. You guys are advocating for your kid. Like, how could that be bad? But you lose track of, like, why you originally got married, yeah. which was each other, and that you actually like spending time with each other. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I actually like my husband. Like, he is actually a really great guy, makes me laugh, and is really fun. Like, I like hanging out with him. I mean, now he talks about Krav a whole lot, but that's a different story. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I chose him, so it's like, yeah. why would I not choose him now again, you know? But it takes so much work. You know, like being, I, I have to guard it. That's what the other, like I, I guard the marriage. Like we make sure we try to have breakfast at least once a week. Mm-hmm. I make sure that I'm staying up at least once a night so that when he comes home, he can tell me how Krav is and I'll pretend to listen, you know. Um, I do listen sometimes. Um, I don't ask follow-up questions. <laughs> That's what I learned. <laughs> I ask the question, listen to how it went, and then I don't ask any follow-up questions unless I really want to know. But yeah, you have to guard your marriage. Yeah. And it's like, I make a schedule for everything with my kids to make sure we do this and this and this. It's like, I, I should be making a schedule with my husband. Like, we get this many date nights. We have, like you said, like a breakfast together every Monday or whatever it is. Like, just schedule the time in. You have to do it. It won't just happen organically. You think it will. It won't. It won't. No. It won't at all. At all. So what annoys me the most about Chris, and what I find myself getting most frustrated about, is I get annoyed at his parenting, but mainly it's because I need to be the one that's able to mess up, and I don't have a margin for him to mess up. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm like... It's and it's it's uglier when you see something in someone else. Like it's you see the same thing in someone else is really you're seeing in yourself, and so it's like ugly to you, but really it's ugly about you and not. I say, I say that to Derek all the time. It's so weird. Like if you see somebody in a grocery store or somebody yelling at their kids, it sounds awful. It looks like a movie of I like when I'm yelling at my kids, I'm always thinking about a movie of their life and like how this would be one of the like horrible moments they would show. Like, I can't believe they rose above that. Like, listen to how their mom talked to them. Cause it'd be like a scene in a movie. Like, oh my gosh. But I mean, we all do it. Most of us are doing it. And when I see, you know, you see somebody you don't know in a store yelling, it sounds awful, but I could have said the same thing five minutes before. But oh, yeah. like when it's you, it's just like when you're driving really fast and scary and the passenger is like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. But you feel totally in control. <laughs> That's a good analogy, actually. Yeah. So when Derek yells at the kids, I'm always like, oh my goodness, I, why are you talking to them like that? He didn't even, and, and Derek is like, seriously, <laughs> like two <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. I do the same thing. 
It's just, well, yeah, it's so funny. My excuse is always, I've been with him for like 12 hours straight, and now I'm at like the end of my rope. You've only been with him five minutes. You're not allowed to yell at them yet. <laughs> oh, I, I get that too. Yeah. But then Chris had a conversation with me about that too, and he was like, he honestly thinks, okay, this is going to be a stereotype, so just bear with me. But Chris, and I think I agree with this, does not think that males have the endurance like females do for the emotional neediness that kids have. Oh, absolutely. He's like, moms can do it for 24 hours. And yes, they need a break and we should be giving them a break. And dads can do it for five. (laughs) He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm not physically designed. He like biologically to have as much empathy and emotion and the chemicals to stay regulated for them as much as females do. And I was like, oh, that doesn't give you like an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you still have to give me time. But that is true. Because I feel like every time I've told somebody that like, yeah, but I was with them that all the moms are like, exactly. Like it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's hard. So I started um, reading a book this week, Patty. Well, reading, listening to. I'm doing a lot of audiobooks lately. It's okay. Listening is. I it's, was went to a dyslexic seminar, and they were they actually debunked this idea. Audiobooks are just reading with your ears instead of your eyes. Exactly. So you were reading with your ears. Yes, which is all I do now because I don't have time to read with my eyes. <laughs> I don't either. I can't read with my eyes while I'm doing dishes or driving. Um, they, they frown on that when you drive. They do frown upon that. And we appreciate that, Holly, making L.A. streets a little bit safer. You're welcome. But I start so I it, it was like a World War II kind of drama. It looked like it was going to be like a romance and people being separated. It was going to be kind of a tearjerker. Right. So right. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I waited. I like listened to all my funny podcasts and listened to all my funny stuff. And I was like, I need to be in the right headspace to start like a weighty tearjerker book right yeah I probably would never be in the right yeah, headspace no. <laughs> Just so, letting you know. and I don't remember when I picked up I think it was like cheap or something and I was like oh this sounds interesting like I'll just get it I didn't know a lot about it so I start listening to it last week and uh the first chapter was yes like these people in Poland and the occupation and, and all this stuff is going on and then it the next chapter flashes forward to present day and there's a woman with a seven-year-old autistic son <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And they're in a grocery store. He's throwing a huge tantrum. She's like, can't stop it. The people are judging her and like asking her to like, anyway, I burst into tears. (laughs) It was so close to home. I was like, what is this? Then uh, a lot of the stuff with her is like about her marriage and about her husband and how he doesn't even like want to spend any time alone with their son. It's fiction though, right? Yeah, it's fiction. But it is so close to home and the stuff that she's going through with her marriage and everything. I was like, I was not prepared emotionally (laughs) for this. I was prepared for people in, you know, Nazi occupied Poland and going through the Holocaust and all these horrible things that happened to other people that I was going to think are very sad, but it was other people's pain. It was not supposed (laughs) to be my own. I was like, whoa, I was not in the headspace for this. So it's, it keeps going back and forth between these horrible things that happened in the past. And then the future, which is supposed to be a little bit lighter, is like way worse. It's way heavier. solving. Anyway. Are you learning anything from it's it? It's fun. Like. I am. Well, yeah. 
I mean, they're still kind of in the... I think it'll it'll get somewhere where she'll learn and it'll be good. I think she's going to work some things out with her husband. Right now, they're in the thick of it, and it's stressing me out. Uh, it's, I read a book someone recommended about a, a, a mom with a child with FASD, and her heart was definitely in the right spot of, like, this is going to help you. Like, it was a strong believer. Her son ended up going to residential treatment and I was like this is not what I need for my like two-year-old like this is not giving me hope like all I all I all it did was make me feel guilty for not praying nearly as much as I should be because everything was like and I prayed and I prayed and I was like oh I don't pray enough which is totally true I don't pray enough and then it did not give me any hope whatsoever I like it totally (laughs) took me to the spiraling down yeah yeah no Okay, so what are your top three things that you and Derek do to, like, guard your marriage? Um, we, we keep making these rules, and then we'll be good about it for a few weeks, and then they usually disappear for a few months. And then they were like, what happened? Oh, yeah, we stopped doing those things that we were supposed to be doing. Uh, one of them is to pray together every day, just in the morning, like, praying for the day. Okay. That things go well. Um. And then having a check-in at some point during the day. So, because we would go weeks without talking. And we even get date nights, like, a lot. But we usually, we walk to a movie, we see a movie, we come home. Like, we hardly Yeah, I don't like going to the movies for date nights because of that. Because then I feel like I don't talk. Yeah. We had two date nights this week because we hadn't had one in, like, a month and a half. And so one night we went to a movie. And then the next one I said, okay, we're going to Starbucks and we're just going to talk. For like two hours and we did it was great awesome um but and then we t- and th- at starbucks we talked about hey let's do those rules again <laughs> that we forgot to do um but we try to have just a check-in during the day which is like hey what's going on just talking about you know schedule what's good because we'll like completely forget to tell each other things huge yeah. things will happen in the kids lives or to someone in my family and he's not the first person that i see a lot of the time like sometimes I'll see you or my mom will call or something. And I tell everybody else this huge thing. And then by the time I talk to Derek, I completely forgot he doesn't know. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, your sister's pregnant. You know, I like forget <laughs> to tell him. She's not, I'm just saying. Um, so just to check in, you know, even just like five minutes during the day. Hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? What's the schedule like this week? Like what? what do you need help with tomorrow? Just something like that. That's a good one. To praying and then checking in. You can't have too many. You got to keep it simple. Yeah. Because if there's 50,000 rules, and how are you going to keep track of all exactly. of them? It needs to be like a couple things you can do on a regular basis. And then we have the like, uh, the rule, the affair rules that everybody has of kind of like not being in. Okay, not everyone has these rules. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you know, but, like but I have them too. not being alone with someone, yeah, with the opposite sex and. Yeah. We have the same rule in the sense of not being alone with opposite sex as well yeah. as not texting or emailing yeah, with opposite texting. sex without having someone um, copied in on it. Yeah. But not everyone has that rule. Like lots Yeah, of, they don't. I, I mean, some believers do. And we didn't do. always, especially when I was working. Like, I feel like all the time I was texting or alone with people, but we didn't really think about it then. Really? When did it I change? No. Uh, I don't know, the last few years, I guess. Ours, we've always had this rule, but mainly our marriage counseling was based on going through 
another couple's okay it sounds I'm trying to I'm like not meaning to be cryptic but I'm being cryptic when we were going through marriage counseling a couple that we knew were going through some issues with their marriage and ended up getting divorced because they had an, one of them had an affair emotionally she says but he I don't know anyways not important so we ended up having like a lot of conversation around like the foundation of our marriage being around like that kind of talk because the couple that did our marriage counseling also knew this couple and was counseling them so and okay. then I, I was like someone who was walking with her so then it was like I was in it and so it was just a lot of like multiple conversations so it ended up being really good in a weird way because our marriage had a strong foundation of like hard fast rules of like you don't put yourself in this situation. Yeah. Because no one says I do with the intention of like, I do for the next five years until you no longer can emotionally satisfy me. You yeah. know, like no one says that. People say I do for forever, you know. And it doesn't start off. It's usually not like a hey you up kind of text the first thing. It would be just like, a, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then there's inside jokes. And then it's you're complaining about your spouse to them. And you don't. It or just something happens so quickly. Ha- yeah. And something yeah. happens. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah, like it's something happens and then it's, you get more connected because something hard from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's just, it's the spirals. Like it just keeps, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, it's like these little things that you don't see it coming half the time kind of thing. And so we've always had that role of like, you never have someone about yeah. opposite sex and then text and stuff. And it's been interesting because Chris as a dojo owner has female instructors and what instructors and whatnot. And so he's playing out told his chief instructors, like, you will always have Ivan attached to it. Or you always like, so it's like not even, and then they're like, well, why? And he's like, because of this. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh and it's like, cool. it's never been like a, oh my goodness. It's been a, I respect that. Like it's people actually come to Chris going, that makes a lot of sense. Like you love your wife enough, not because you don't trust her, but because you respect her and never want to yeah. put you or her in this position ever so anyways there was one time that I know a a couple had that role and this was really funny to me the husband was texting me about a birthday gift he got his wife to like see if I wanted to go to this concert with her but he texted Derek I was like, you could have put the three of us on a thing. Or it's like one text to ask if I will go to this thing with your wife as a surprise to her. (laughs) But he texted Derek, and then Derek had to keep coming to me. It was over, like, several months, and Derek's like, so now this, now that. And I'm like, See, we always put the couples. We We can all be on the same text. We have lots of group texts like that, too, where if I have a a question about the podcast and, like, equipment or stuff, I text Deb, but I include Kim. Or I include Chris kind of thing um I would try to be respectful in the sense like I don't want to hear all the crap crap <laughs> happens and so Ivan is like well he didn't volunteer we just kind of put him in that position we're That's like great. he's always on there yeah and then even like my co-worker it's like I'm friends with him but I always include my other co-worker okay. and so I plain out told my other co-worker like if it ever feels like you're not supposed to be on this text it's just because of this and she's like okay That's cool. kind of thing so like I preface it with some things so that it's just natural. But everyone understands it. Like no one's ever. And then if we accidentally do it, like if someone texts me without knowing the rule. Yeah. Then I like tell Chris like, hey, I had this conversation with this and this, you know, and kind of. 
But it has nothing to do with trusting each other. It's just being proactive and not putting yeah, ourselves in a, like, a position to ever need to be yeah. in that position. You know, it just makes sense to us anyways. And with the dojo, it puts him above reproach in the sense of no one can accuse him of something oh, because yeah. when he's training another female, there's always someone there. And he actually mm-hmm. has made that a rule in the dojo. Like any of his instructors oh, yeah. have to have someone else there so that if it's not a girl, if it's not the same gender. Well, and that's rules everywhere. Even at like Dawson's therapy, there always has to be yeah. another therapist there. He can't be alone with just one therapist because it, it helps them be safe as well. You know, he couldn't make something up about somebody. Exactly. Anyways, that was a weird tangent, but at the same time, <laughs> it was what it's, it, hey, marriage and rules and keeping your marriage safe. So Chris and I have at least one date breakfast. And if we aren't, we acknowledge that we're not having that breakfast. Um, We try to do the game plan so that nothing's like hidden for the week. And that mainly because like you said, we'll go, we'll both plan stuff or therapies will change or something will happen. And I'm like, oh, I thought I told you. Oh, I didn't realize you had that. Oh, crap. I booked this and you had that. So I kind of. We try to game plan, like, what does this week look like? Mm -hmm. And then that also allows us to be like, okay, what time can we spend time together? And then the rule that I made recently for myself is I'm just choosing him more often. Like, I'm intentionally not going to bed so that I can hang out with him. I'm intentionally not doing the podcast when he gets home so that I'm there with him kind of stuff. And then I try also to keep the house to a certain degree clean. Because that's important to him. Is that like his love language? Yeah, and it sucks. I wish he was a Mexican hoarder because that would be a lot easier for me. He likes his room. He likes his environment and control. Mm-hmm. And so clean is something he can control. And so when our, when our lives are so chaotic, if I can make our house clean, it's in control, and there's less stress for him. So I try, like I try to get the laundry done within 24 hours so it's not around and I try to pick up every night and I try to communicate to him when it doesn't happen so that he can prep himself. I'm like, hey, it's been a bad night. I didn't get cleaning. I am done. Dishes will be done tomorrow. Yeah, kind of stuff. So, but just mainly being aware that that's like how he operates and trying to be okay with it. But I go through phases where I'm really good about serving him in that way and then I like suck. And then I'm like, oh, I suck. And then I serve him again in that way. So, Yeah, Derek. So the movie thing. I know it sounds weird that we go to movies all the time and don't talk, but movies are Derek's love language. Yeah. In a weird way. It totally is. If you knew Derek, you'd be like, oh, yes. Yeah. So it's like he wants to. Like for him, that's so important to share these experiences and going to the movies. And then we talk about the movie afterwards and – um. I don't know. He's so interesting. Like if you ask him any movie that he saw in a theater in his entire life, you could, like you could be like, okay, Jurassic Park, go. He'll tell you everything he did that day that he saw Jurassic Park and who he was with, what they were wearing. He can remember any detail surrounding a movie. Really? It's, yeah. It's Maybe this weird he has autism. thing that he has. <laughs> Short-term memory? No. If, can he remember what to get when I ask him to go to the store? No. But if you were going to see a movie right after, he would remember next week. 
that I asked him to get something at the store. <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, his, so y'all go to the movies a lot because you, he likes that shared experience. Yeah. It's something. And yeah, I mean, you went to film school too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. It's not bad for me either. I like see him. But I do have to every once in a while go, okay, tonight let's not. Like, let's not, because sometimes there's nothing that we need to see or we've seen everything we want to see. And then he's like, let's just go see this really dumb movie. I'm like, we don't have to. <laughs> we don't need to waste our life doing that. Yeah. We can do something else. I mean, we do have the AMC movie pass, so it is free. Which makes it a lot easier yeah. when you don't have to spend money. Because that's another thing. Like, it gets all expensive. Exactly. Well, that is the other thing. Because I'm like, well, we should go to dinner and talk. And he's like, that's way expensive. Movies are free for us and I'm like you're right it's cheaper to go to the movies and even so he loves to get so have we talked about the AMC movie pass on here no I don't remember um we pay like 20 bucks a month and then we get to see three movies a week that's a lot of movies I've yeah I mean I've never used that many Derek uses it sometimes does he use yours too no no you can't you have to show your ID everything you each get three movies um but we have three AMCs walking distance from our house. Yeah. And it works at AMC. But also you get money off like with the snacks and stuff. So for a while, we were spending a lot on popcorn and drinks. And I'm like, okay, we're still spending a lot of money here. Uh, he's always the one that gets the popcorn and the drink. And I realized I haven't been using mine. So <laughs> I went to the movies without him. And I had $30 in free snacks on my <laughs> AMC card. I'm like, oh, I should be getting the snacks sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent about snacks. You can take that out if you want. I won't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I won't at Thanks, all. Patty. Uh, but uh, yay. Mainly because anyway. when Chris comes in the room, I'm going to stop editing. So it probably won't get edited. Because that's, that's the new part of the podcast fine, too, Patty. is that I don't edit nearly as much anymore. So, hey guys, it's to save her marriage, all right? Don't complain about the lack of editing. <laughs> You're right. It's a sacrifice that you listeners are making so that I don't become part of the 83% of, of divorce rate or whatever it's called. Anyway, the point is we get a free movie night if we go to the movies. Well, and if you go to them, okay, so that's free. But then yeah. if you do the babysitter and then the dinner, like you're, it's a hundred dollars. Oh yeah. So it's I mean, like, our babysitter's free too, but yeah, for most people, man. You have it. You, you live the life, Holly. I you're do. living I the do. life. Why am I complaining about <laughs> time? Well, because you don't talk. But even with the respite, and that's what the respite is for. That's why we get free babysitter because we never are alone together. Yeah. It's a lot harder. Like it's, I thought about yeah. that on the way over here. Cause I was like, Yeah. It's harder with special needs kids, and that's the reason why the government pays a sitter to come over so that we can work on the marriage. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it, marriage is hard work anyway for, like, even with neurotypical kids uh, and yeah. all this stuff. But it's just the stress is amplified. Like, I agree with that article with that. I do not agree. I think it is still 83% of marriages fail because it makes me feel better. I know it makes everyone else sad, but for me, it makes me feel better. Um. But well, I do I, agree with the, the thing of like, it's a, it's a stress amplified and it's yeah. your insecurities amplified and it's what you get annoyed with in your spouse amplified. So something else that article I was referring to earlier said, she says, just because a marriage is more difficult doesn't mean it can't become as strong or even stronger than another marriage. People tend to equate more difficult with worse. 
But so like just because we have we have to work harder at our marriage actually means we're working harder. No, that makes complete sense. I yeah. I so Chris and I've having gone through the infertility and then the foster adoption, like our marriage is really strong because yeah. we've gone through those things together. And it was weird with Jackson because it was the first time that I felt like my marriage got weaker Mm. versus stronger in it. But I think it's because everything else had an end in sight. Like infertility wasn't going to happen forever. Like we were going to choose something, you know. Um, And going through fostering, you knew eventually you'd get to adopt. Exactly. Like there was an end there as well. But with the special needs, it, it, it just it like felt like this was forever. And I feel like that's what one of the same Chris says a lot often. He's like, this is our life forever. And I was like, uh, yes and no. Like, yes, like he, we may be his external brain for the rest of his life, but I don't think it's going to be like this. No. He's like, at, the like, girls are going to eventually age. read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's a, like at a really hard, like you said, like a really hard age, yeah. like three all three-year-olds are assholes. Like, yeah. that's what it is. That's, that's their job, apparently, which is, uh-huh. I want you to fire them. <laughs> you know, but at the same, so in my head, it's not, so it's a little bit easier, but in him, he's, he sometimes feels like it's forever. And just recently, with the, but even with, the, like, the dyslexia and hiring the lawyers and whatnot, I feel like there's, there's an end, so it makes it stronger. So I agree, and I also think that there's still stuff for Chris and I to process through or to figure out because it, at some points it seems like it makes it our marriage weaker and not stronger. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, how do you? How has Dawson, besides being a kid, like how does it affect? Do you feel like it's made you and Derek stronger? Or? Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> Um, it can be both. I mean, I don't know. Probably yes in some areas and no in other areas, you know? I mean, the difficulties are obviously the not spending time with each other, but then we do get the respite worker. And actually Dawson's at therapy a lot and at school, so it's really like not an issue anymore as far as that because he's, we're kind of taken care of as far as spending time together. And now all of the kids kind of stay awake super late. Dawson sometimes is the first one to fall asleep now, so I can't blame that on him. Um, <laughs> it's just kids in general being awake. Um, and, of course, being tired all the time, but that's three kids anyway. So I'm thinking, like, okay, what specifically about him makes the marriage more difficult? Um, I think sometimes I don't let Derek parent with Dawson because I feel like he's doing it wrong. I understand. And we get into arguments because he'll just be like, okay, fine. I'll never parent Dawson. You know, we'll get dramatic and he'll be like, I'll just never, you do all the stuff with Dawson. I'll just never even talk to him, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, look. <laughs> I love I how read. dramatic they get sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I usually get worse, but um, I'm like, look, I read all the autism books. I go to all the special clinics, the meetings with the supervisors, the IEPs, all of that. I do all of that alone. So if I think there's a certain way that Dawson should be parented, then I think I get to make that decision. Whereas with the other two kids, it's both of us. And of course, we should both have input. With Dawson, I'm a little more stern because I'm like, but you don't know. Like, I had a long talk with his therapist about the right way to do this, and you're doing it the wrong way. 
No, that makes sense. That'd be hard. That's what's hard. Cause I'm like, I, of course I want this to be a partnership, but you're not taking the time to listen how to do it. And that's the other thing we should just sit down and I should, when we have those check-ins, I want to be like, Hey, here's what I learned. Cause sometimes I'll even forget to download him on like the IEP. Like I call my mom right away. And I tell her, I tell you what happened in the IEP. I tell the listeners what happened in an IEP. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap, I never told you, Derek, what's going on with Dawson at school. Um, so if I was better at keeping him informed, then he would know more and there wouldn't be that issue. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think that would frustrate me. Be- yeah. I don't know where I want to go. Yeah. That would, I was, I would feel the same way you do. Like, I feel like your, your emotions are validated. All emotions are validated. But in the sense that if you're reading all the books and you're doing all this, because I was in that stage yeah. for a long time with Chris, I feel like too. And then I would tell him, and then I, I point out and said, I need you to read this book. And then he read the wrong one. <laughs> but it was the same author's author. Okay. So it all worked out in the end. And you then got I got to share stuff from that book with you. Well, I already read that one too. Oh. The, Dan Siegel has a book called The Whole Brain Child. Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson, which is the connected parenting, which is the way that Chris and I parent. It's mainly in the vein of Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. And they wrote, they wrote four books now. They wrote The Whole Brain Child, No Drama Discipline, The Yes Brain, and then The Power of Showing Up. And I got to the point where I was just, I was getting frustrated with Chris of like, mm-hmm this is the way I want to do it. You're doing it this way. Like we have to be on the same page, but this is where fostering also helped us a whole lot because we had to go through all these classes in order to become parents. And so we ended up talking a whole lot about parenting styles and all this other stuff before we even had the kids because we were kind of forced to be on the same page before kids, which I think every, like, you know how they always have like that Lamaze class? I feel like yeah. they should also have a parenting class for like yeah. three hours and just like the different types of parenting styles and how you were parented so that you can be aware of how you're parented so you can oh, yeah. make a conscious dis- a conscious decision. decision, not conscious discipline, which is a totally another topic. <laughs> conscious decision on how you want to parent, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because that's what Chris and I were forced to do because of, we had to get 30 hours of like hours before yeah. we could sign a paper saying that we were legally foster parents so that helped us a whole lot but then I made him read this book I was like I need you to read this book and then he read the first one the whole brainchild and not the second one which is no drama discipline and if you're going to read any of them the power of showing up right now which is the one I'm listening with my ears with mm-hmm. reading with my ears I'm listening with my ears too <laughs> you are <laughs> I am the one that I'm reading with my ears is the power of showing up and it kind of goes through the whole, all three four books combined uh, so nice. it's like a really good not synopsis, but it's really good. Anyways. But you know what? Actually, with Nolan, we're kind of going through the same thing because Nolan's having some issues, and we were parenting him the same way. But then I started reading this book and wanting to implement all these things in the book, but it's like you both have to be doing it. And so then I would be like, no, don't do that because that's messing up the thing I'm doing. And he's like, I don't know what you're doing. So I was trying to make him listen to it with me. We listened to like one chapter. <laughs> so you like have to, do you ago. have to listen to it together? Is that his thing? Or can he just listen to it? I just didn't think he would unless it was like we were in the car, stuck in the car. And I was like, now we can listen to it. But <laughs> I make Chris listen to the, the podcast every now and then with me to see so I can see his reactions to stuff. Anyways. Um, uh, but to be fair to Derek with the Dawson stuff, it's like, OK, a lot of the IEPs and different things. We have three kids. So one of us has to be and sometimes I'll even say, do you want to do this or watch the kids? And really, I'm hoping he'll say watch the kids because I like going to those things. 
and I know the right things to say and the terms and stuff. And he, he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay, you know, so it's like one of us has to stay behind. Yeah. And then with Dawson, especially in the beginning, we processed, we went through the grief in different ways. So like he kind of didn't want to read anything about autism or talk about it or, you know, it was kind of like too hard for him, like too heavy. So he didn't want to like read those kind of books. Right, that right. makes sense. He, that was like he wasn't ready for it. It was good, and so I need to respect that also. That when I jumped into all the re- reading, because that was my way of dealing with it, he was dealing with it in a different way. And everyone processes different. Not even just a male female thing. Like everyone processes things differently. So. And he's actually he's the way more emotional one in the relationship with the two of us. So. Thanks for riding on the denial bus. But your stop's coming up. You're going to have to get off. Get back to the real world. Life. Don't worry. You got this.